Okay, hello. Welcome back to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia. I'm the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy in Florida, particularly in Tallahassee and in the Florida legislature, which is right now in the middle of its 2024 legislative session. This is going to be an update from day 31 of this year's 60-day session. Um, and I'm actually recording this on day 31. It's been a while since I managed to record one of these on the very same day. Um, session in both the House and Senate just wrapped up a couple of hours ago. Um, and, th- and we're going to do something a little different again on this show. where We're going to focus once again entirely on positive bills, good bills or positive developments. Um, you know, that that is not to say nothing, um, let's say, objectionable uh, happened in Tallahassee today. Um, but, you know, for for as much as I have my um, criticisms of how the Florida legislature elevates the needs and prioritizes the needs of businesses and affluent people at the expense often of, you know, working families and, and middle class consumers, um, you know, they do a bunch of good stuff, too. And it's worth paying attention to those as well. And so I'm going to start with uh, a little piece of legislation called uh, House Bill 1297. This is a bill dealing with um, affordable housing issues in the Florida Keys, which is obviously one of the most unique markets in Florida because uh, there's so little land, there's so little housing inventory. It's got uh, enormous, enormously expensive housing, but it's also a very tourism-dependent economy down there, and tourism depends on a bunch of low-wage service sector workers, you know, your your housekeepers, your bartenders, your your restaurant servers, your dishwashers to keep the economy uh keep the economy working. Um and what's what's really interesting about this bill is there's a little provision in there involved that would allow Monroe County, that's the county where the keys are, to take a portion a surplus they have built up in their hotel tax. The the formal name is the tourist development tax, but that's the tax charged on hotel stays. It would allow them to take a surplus they've built up there and spent that spend that money on on affordable housing for tourism industry workers. Um, this might seem like a small thing, but this is actually a, a huge deal. So way back in 2008, so we're talking about uh, 15 years ago, I wrote a story about uh, an effort by the Keys to, to spend just a bit of their tourist development tax on, on affordable housing way back then. And, and the thing about how hotel taxes work in Florida, state law really puts handcuffs on how local communities can spend this money. And and these laws essentially force, force counties to spend almost all of their money on subsidies for the tourism industry, particularly tourism advertising. Um, and the reason these laws exist is because the tourism industry lobbies hard to keep them in place. This is Disney, Universal, all the big hotel companies. They want counties spending every single dime of their uh, hotel tax on advertising for Disney, Universal, and all these big hotel companies. Um, and and that's what happened back in 2008. Key West had this bill. And again, this completely unique market in Florida where it, it has insanely expensive housing, but also... S- really low paid workers are vital to its economy. Key West had this little bill or the the Keys had this little bill to spend a bit of their hotel taxes on on affordable housing and the tourism industry crushed it. The Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, a a front group that uh, we've talked about before that represents all the big tourism businesses in Florida, just went nuts and convinced uh, I believe it was the Florida Senate that year to kill the bill. So the fact that um, we're talking about this again is actually really encouraging. Um, it was a little bit uh, funny there. The legislators uh, 
passing this bill kind of made sure to emphasize that this was a one-time thing. We're just talking about using the surplus that's built up right now. It's not going to be a permanent change. And all of that was was uh, essentially hand-waving at tourism industry lobbyists to pleading with them not to, not to go to war on this again. Um, I really hope this bill passes. I think, uh, A, I think it's a, it's a great idea on its own. And B, it's a reminder that this law can change when people really want it to. And guess what? We've got a huge affordable housing crisis in a lot of places, particularly where I am in Orlando, which is also utterly dependent on low-wage service sector tourism workers. This is the sort of thing we should be doing all over the state, not just in the Keys, but let's get it done in the Keys. Okay, so the the same committee that passed House Bill 1297 also passed another bill, House Bill 1105. And uh, what was encouraging about this is they took what was a really monstrous bill, in my opinion, and, and made it reasonable and uh, solved a problem in a way that is fair and did not cause any more problems. So what I'm talking about, this, this is a bit complicated to explain, but it involves the way property taxes work in Florida. In, in, in Florida... Property taxes are essentially capped each year, the the the, the way they can grow. So uh, if it's a homestead property, I mean, if it's like the home you live in, uh, no matter how much your home rises in value in one year, it could go up 30% in, in, in value uh, on the real estate market. Your taxable value of the home, which is a big part of what determines how much you pay in property taxes, can't go up more than um, 3%. Um, there is a similar cap for all other properties. So for uh, vacation homes and second homes or for commercial property businesses, um, that cap is 10%. So you know if you've got a vacation home in Florida and it goes up uh, 20% in value one year, your taxable value will still not go up more than 10%. Now, these uh, these tax caps are super problematic for a bunch of reasons. They, they like create all sorts of distortions and inequity in the tax code. But one of the sort of like valves on them is that every time the ownership changes or the or the style of property changes, um, these tax caps reset. And and here's what I mean by that. So let's say let's say you own a vacation home in Florida and you've owned it for a number of years and it's grown it's grown in value uh, significantly. But because of that ten percent cap, your taxable value hasn't gone up so much. Right, so you've built up a big like tax differential savings over the years. Um, if you decide uh, that you want to make that your homestead property, which means you get the three percent cap going forward, um, you th the value of that property is supposed to reset because it's now a homestead property. So you're going to lose all that tax differential you built up under the ten percent cap, but you are going to gain the three percent cap going forward. Um, what the original version of House Bill 1105 would have done was allowed people in that situation to both keep all the tax differential they'd built up under the 10% cap and then switch over to the 3% cap without giving up all the old tax savings, without resetting the value of the property. And, and I want you to think about who a tax break like that helps. These are people that are wealthy enough to own a second home in Florida that has appreciated in value enough that, uh, that the... Uh, They've built up an enormous tax differential that they don't want to give up. This is this would be like giving a bunch of like super wealthy people, let, letting them have their cake and eat it too, sort of thing. Um, and you know, it it is probably no surprise that the sponsor of this bill is uh, from Palm Beach County, which is the site of the most expensive housing in Florida by a mile. In fact, 
uh, actually last year I worked on a, on a project that I, I never was able to use because the legislation I was preparing for never moved. But I looked at, at just the homes that had built up the biggest tax differentials in Florida. And, and, you know, this is basically a list of billionaires and celebrities and multimillionaires down in, in South Florida, for the most part, um, who, who are seeing the biggest benefits from that 3% tax cap. Of the top 100 properties, 60 were in Palm Beach County. Anyway, uh, House Bill 1105 was written today, or was, was rewritten today in a way that makes it much better and fairer. Essentially, what it will allow is in this situation where someone's got a vacation home that's built up, a uh, that's gone way up in value and built up a big tax differential, if they make it their homestead property without realizing that the taxable value is going to reset, they're allowed to undo that decision. So they can keep all the tax savings they've built up, but they stay under the 10% tax cap going forward. They don't get the 3% too. Um, and that seems like a reasonable thing to do, particularly for folks that don't don't think through the tax implications uh, when they when they switch from when they switch from one style of property to another. Um, you know, I don't know who uh, talked the sponsor into uh, into changing his bill here. If that was uh, that was someone in leadership, if that was professional staff sort of explaining what a what a terrible idea it was that he'd proposed. But you know, the whoever it was. God bless them. The bill is much better. I think uh, I think this is a reasonable thing to do for folks in that situation now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, if it passes, that's great. Um, what, one last bill we'll talk about today. This is House Bill 1267, and this deals with uh, with some of the state's safety net programs. And and I, I imagine some folks listening to this here, the Florida legislature getting involved with safety net programs start to tense. Up. I know I know I did when I first read this bill, but um, it, it's not perfect, but it does a lot of good stuff, particularly one one thing in particular. Um, there is an issue with a lot of social safety net programs like uh, like school, school readiness, the school readiness program, which provides child care subsidies for uh, for folks that for very low income folks, you know, folks for whom they could not work without daycare or preschool Um uh, but they cannot afford uh, daycare or preschool. It helps them pay those bills, you know. And it's also good for the children. It gets them into early childhood education that would otherwise lack. It's it's a it's a win win program all around. Um, but there are issues with with programs like that. They they call them benefits cliffs. And what what that means is if your income rises sort of beyond the the income limits in these programs, you know, if you go one dollar over, you lose the subsidy entirely. So so you might get a small raise at work, uh, but then you lose your childcare subsidy and you are worse off overall. And it leads to all sorts of economic distortions like folks avoiding promotions or folks choosing not to switch jobs uh, because the the pay will cost them their subsidies. This is again, this is called this issue is called benefits cliffs. Um, it's it's something a lot of folks uh in public policy have been sort of focused on for a long time. You know, even the Florida Chamber of Commerce, the big business lobbying group who Lord knows I have my problems with with uh, with a lot of the priorities they choose to pursue. They they have been talking about this for a number of years. Um, at least they have when they visit with newspaper editorial boards. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how much they're talking about it in meetings with legislators, but um, it's an issue folks have been aware of. And House Bill 1267 takes one of the first steps we've seen to really try and address this. It, this this focuses specifically on that school readiness program, and it would create essentially a supplemental program that that ramps the end of the program. So as you reach those income limits instead of your instead of your subsidy turning straight off, it would just start to it would 
ease you off that subsidy. It would slowly reduce that subsidy as your income goes up. It would it would uh, eliminate any sort of disincentive to take a higher paying job because you would never be worse off. This is this is a really important thing. Um, the the bill passed the House Appropriations Committee today, and not only that, they they stuck some language in there that says they're going to put twenty three million dollars towards this program. So that's a really positive development. Um, I I really hope we see something like that pass. Uh, there is legislation like this in the Senate, but it does not include this benefits cliff issue. So this is an issue to watch um, to see where the Senate lands. Um, it looks like we're we're talking about twenty three million dollars here. So um, uh, it's going to be important to see the 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 Florida Senate take this issue on too. And and I mentioned that because the other big thing that happened today is both chambers, the Florida House and the Florida Senate, passed their their versions of the state budget this year. So that's gonna that's sort of gonna be the 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 major issue in the back half so that'll, that'll start to crowd out a lot of stuff as folks try and negotiate a final budget i gotta tell you uh i've never been like a super big picture budget guy there are a number of reporters in florida historically who've been much better at sort of telling macro stories about the budget i tend to just focus on individual pieces of it and and sort of pulling out uh parts that i find objectionable but um, you know, we'll try and we'll try and pay a bit more attention on the macro level on this too, since we're doing these kind of uh, overviews. You know, bottom line, it is looking like probably a, a pretty easy budget reconciliation process for the House and Senate. They're pretty close already. Um, some of the early challenges, or some of the early, you know, big picture differences, uh, the Senate wants to spend a lot more on rebuilding, renovating, and expanding, like the state's just crumbling prison infrastructure. Um, the House is. Uh, wants to put a bunch more money into the into um the my safe florida home program which is that program we mentioned in yesterday's episode or i guess i guess that was earlier today actually um uh that's the program that helps homeowners make hurricane uh hardening improvements to their homes so there's little details around the edges they'll have to work that stuff out there's there's no reason certainly right now to to think that they won't be able to do it but you know, one of those things to watch is going to uh, in budget now is going to be this benefits cliff cliffs issue it's uh it, that that'll be one I know I'll I'll be paying a lot of attention to, to, to make sure that um, hopefully that's not something that falls by the wayside because that's this is obviously important. It's particularly important to to low income folks, and it's uh it's a uh, certainly something the Florida legislature can afford. Okay, that's going to do it uh, for uh, today's show. We'll probably um, we'll probably be back again next week uh, uh, when the legislature picks back up uh, in committee hearings. Um, as always, if you haven't already, please consider signing up for the newsletter. Um, SeekingRentsFL.com is the easiest way to find us. If um, you know subscriptions are free, none of the stories are behind a paywall, but uh, there is an option to voluntarily pay for a subscription if you can afford it. Um, if, if you can't afford it, please think about doing it. Those, uh, those paid subscriptions are, are really helpful. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll uh, talk again very soon.